What is going on guys and gals and welcome back to Introspective Gamer. I'm your host John Solis and it is glad to be I'm glad to be back. I uh, I hope you guys have uh, if anybody listens out there, I hope that uh, the returning listeners are can't wait to see what I've cooked up and hope any new listeners you enjoy the show and what I've hoped to guide it in this new direction. But before I catch up with what I've been up to besides messing with the show, I just kind of wanted to go to some housekeeping about why the, the redirection took a little longer than it did and what the schedule is going to look like now. And so for those that don't know, for new listeners, uh, this show is a podcast show where I talk about uh, video games and social issues and pretty much whatever I want to talk about. It's just that it never fails that it always returns to some form of video games or some so some uh discipline of sociology and so uh but there's something else that like i said let me go ahead and get to the nitty-gritty so basically the podcast schedule going forward will be once a month and uh, it's so that i can focus on making a more polished product and it can be edited in a way so that it just it feels cleaner i'm not going to be adding a bunch of like intro and outro and fancy stuff all at once uh i'll pick and choose when and where I decide to do those things but in the beginning uh, or not in the beginning but going forward I want this to be more structured I've, I'm starting to write scripts I don't know if I'm going to be reading the scripts right now I'm, I'm supposed to be reading from a script but uh, I'm going off um, but yeah but I'm not just doing uh, one podcast a month uh, and that's it I'm also going to be doing one video a month and um, the video I will give you more details in the back half of the show, um, but the podcast structure, uh, instead of, so before I used to just ramble with me and with my wife, and we used to talk about who, all kinds of stuff, um, I really enjoyed it, but it's like one of the, the failings that I feel like the show had was that I don't know how other people talk to their spouses, but me and my wife talk all the time a lot about everything, and so a lot of times, again, I don't know how other people record podcasts. But because we talk so much, when we would come to the podcast, um, I would be bringing up topics and I didn't feel the topics were stimulating enough to either of us because we have talked about them already that week or that day. Um, me and her would have great conversations in the car or at other times just impromptu the way we organically have them. And I would try to capture that in the podcast as well as I could, but sometimes uh, the topics I would choose, she wasn't feeling them, sometimes I wasn't feeling them. And so I was like, how can I make conversations more stimulating for both uh, the participants, the podcasters, as well as the listener? And in case you haven't noticed by this ramble, as well as the, listening to previous podcasts, I like to talk, and I like to talk to people. And so I figured, why don't I just talk to more people? And so part of the new structure is I will have a profile once a month, because that's the schedule now, but every month I will have a new quote-unquote profile of a different person. Right now I'm going through my family, and then for my family I have some people at where I work, and basically it's just going to be a profile where you figure out, you, you hear about the person, maybe a little bit about their life, and then just kind of what makes them tick and... Just kind of like I'm saying, just get kind of like a little profile about who these people are. And depending on who I talk to, I want to get all kinds of classes and people so that we kind of run the gamut of like really rich, really poor, uh, different ethnicities, uh, different sexualities, whatever. And it's all because uh, I like talking to people for this reason, because at the end of the day, you always hear, oh, we're all the same or people are people. But I think that's such an abstract concept for people to understand when you're telling them or talking to them. And I think it would be more relatable if we actually heard stories from quote-unquote normal people. Because you hear celebrities and it's like, what did you do with your kids? And it's like, oh, I bought them Christmas gifts. But there's always a tinge of like unrealistic fantasy of, well, where did y'all go? And it's like, well, we went to visit my mom's family and then my husband's family. And then it sounds like, well, oh, it's a regular Christmas. Until you do research and you realize that both family, one lives in Europe and one lives in Montana. And you're like, whoa, so y'all guys are taking private jets over like a week or three days. That's not realistic. You know what I'm saying? It sounds realistic. But besides the private jets and things, there's an air of like, 
okay, but how does that relate to me and my family? And yeah, again, like, I would like to interview you so that I could hear your side of the story. But until then, I'm going to be interviewing everyone else that I can get a hold of uh, to, again, just understand how we as humans, as a species, and as a social group interact. It's fascinating. But again, this is my underlying drive of why I want to talk to people uh, so that, again, I can just kind of, even if you don't get any of this stuff, it's still interesting to hear about people's lives because you might see somebody and not think that they're anything special. But when you talk to them, uh, people are so fascinating and unique and different. It's You're never going to hear the same story twice. And the things people have gone through, it's amazing and sad and tragic, like, and beautiful. Like, it's all kinds of things. And that's what the profile is going to be about. Again, uh, I'm going to try to keep them to 10 minutes long unless the person I'm interviewing wants to go longer. I'm not going to stop them. And yes, I know if I talk to an elderly person, the whole show might be an hour of them and their life because old people, I mean, they got nothing else to do but talk. And so basically, let me go back to the structure of the podcast. The, the podcast is going to start with a profile and then I'm going to pick a video game topic of the month which and a social issue of the month. But because I'm going to post these episodes in the beginning of the month, uh, the video game topic and the social is- social issue are going to be from the month before. So the first, this first episode that you're listening to came out, I think, in the second or third week of December. I'm going to try to do these on the second week of the month, um, hopefully every Friday. Um, they're going to come out in the beginning of the This December episode is actually the video game topic and the social issue are going to be a retrospective look on November's video game topic that what was something that dominated the conversation in the video game world as well as what's a social issue I think we can take a look at retro retro uh, yeah retroactively to get a better grasp on it because you know hindsight is 2020 they say and so that's how the podcast is going to work. And then afterwards, I think I'm going to have a closing segment dedicated to answering questions uh, for any readers, I mean, of listeners, or just a monthly diary of sorts, like a, an audio vlog, where I'll tell you what I personally have been up to, my family and I, and maybe recount what's been going on, to share some funny stories. And so, again, I kind of try to take the strengths of what I think worked and then kind of push back things I didn't think worked, um, which says a lot a lot about me. <laughs> like, I feel like I enjoy talking, but I'm not too sure how many people enjoy listening, which is why I put myself in the back half. Again, I'll explain more of this in the back half of this episode. But uh, yeah, thank you for tuning in. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. And if you're a new listener and if you're a returning listener, I'm glad to have you back. And so without further ado, I will go ahead and transition to our very first profile for December of 2017, which is my father. Take it away, guys. Hello, everybody, and welcome to my first profile. And with me today is my father. Uh, what Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, this is Take Two. My yeah. name is Juan Antonio Solis. You know, speaking of Take Two, I like, like you're saying, uh, how people see how things are made and stuff like that. But every time I record these things with Erica, she doesn't like that. She makes me re-record stuff. Because she's like, nobody wants to hear all the extra. But I think it's like right now how you said take two. I think it was like behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. But maybe that's just the kind of people we are. Uh, So what's going on in your life right now, Father? What's going on? Nothing is pretty mellow. I'm taking it easy and I'm trying to enjoy more things. What do you, uh, for those that don't know, what do you do? What's your job? Printing. You know, anything that prints on paper, from letterhead envelopes to business cards, things like that. But you own your own business, right? I got a small print shop. Okay. And how long have you been in printing? I've been in printing since I was 13 years old, so I'm 49 years old. So I've been in printing, what, 36 years? Yeah, 36 years. That's a long time. Do you, do you like printing? At first I did, and now I love it. It's like my life now. What did you want to do as a kid? Uh, either work in construction or drive an 18-wheeler. <laughs> Why those two things? One of them because my dad was a construction worker and I always thought it was cool. And uh, 18-wheeler because it was the biggest hit show on TV when I was a kid. <laughs> a hit show about 18-wheelers? Yeah. What was it called? Uh, BJ and the Bear. 
<laughs> it was about a guy and a monkey and his 18 wheeler. <laughs> <laughs> what? Now you think about it, you're like, damn. Yeah, yeah. Guy and a monkey spend that much time on an 18 wheeler? I didn't know about the show. Yeah. I knew about the 18 wheeler and the construction, but I didn't know that it was because of a TV show. Yeah, BJ and the Bear. And um, why did you decide to go into printing? Nothing. Uh, one summer, it was just the opportunity, and we just started there. What do you mean you had the opportunity? They actually called me in if I wanted to go help this guy that worked at a print shop. Well, wait, how old were you again? 13. They just called 13-year-olds off the street? <laughs> no, this friend of mine worked at a print shop. So he goes, hey, I got this guy that they just gave him like 20, 30 pallets, you know, those wood pallets. Yeah, yeah. And he wants to actually take them apart and take them home, you know, already with the wood taken apart and everything. He just wanted spare wood or what? Yeah, so he goes, would you like to go over there and take them apart for him and he'll pay you? I go, sure. So I did it all in one day and, and the owner of the print shop got impressed. So he offered me a, a job for the summer. And that's it. That's all she wrote. One thing led to another. But he, as a kid, did you like it? or like? No, I didn't. I mean, it was just a summer job. I mean, of course, at the beginning, I was just cleaning the warehouse and sweeping. <laughs> How do you... So, like... Right now, you can't be too mad at it because it is your career, and it, as a, as one of your children, I know it's provided for your family. But how did it turn into sweeping as a kid who's like, "Fuck, I don't like this." To I'm gonna open up a business because this is the best thing I know. Like, when well, did you give up? I guess on construction and eighteen wheeling, or that's not how that worked. Like, well, because I've always, I was always taught one thing that I've always tried to teach you guys is. Just make the best out of whatever comes your way. And that's it. And I did, and I had the opportunity and the owner of the place to want to teach me the things he did. And I just took off like a rocket. Thank God I was young, and I was just absorbing everything so fast that that's how fast it happened. Hmm. And right now, would you say, well, I don't know. I was, gonna, I was trying to relate it back to the printing, but I, I'm, actually, I'm, uh, I'm also curious to go ahead and move on to my questions because this is good. I think I should try to ask people more about how they came to this point in their life so that it relates better to those two questions I was talking about earlier. Oh, okay. But, um... That nobody knows because we talked about it off the line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh... Yeah, okay, so apparently I just jumped into the questions on the script here. I put, what makes you happy? And if you, you're not sure how to answer, I, might, I ask, is there an aspect of your life which you think is at its best? Or in other words, what part of your life are you most comfortable with? Examples are like health, your knowledge, your wisdom, maybe skills or hobbies, your children. What part of your aspect are you most comfortable and satisfied with in your life right now? Well, sad enough, I think uh, it would have to be my work. Just because I can do it. And as a matter of fact, I just had this conversation with somebody the other day. Because I go, you know what, in my shop, my work comes out great. I don't have complaints. I don't have buts and ifs. And everything I do turns out pretty damn good. Yet every, everywhere else and everything else, there's always a but and a niv, and you can never satisfy anybody, you know. So since I feel that security in my shop, and I can do and undo because I've been doing it for that many years, I guess it's like a comfort zone. This, the work or the, the shop? The shop, the work, everything in it. Because like with my kids... They're too big. I can't tell them anything. I mean, after a certain age and, and their lifestyle, you know, what can you do? Mm-hmm. You know, friends, they're the same way. Everybody knows everything already. And what they don't know, they'll Google. <laughs> so, you know, the <laughs> yeah, best yeah. thing is I feel pretty safe. I feel comfortable. And I feel good when I'm in here, which is not good. You know, I'm starting to learn that. I, I should get out a little more. But right now it's my comfort zone, I guess. You know. So what? I- what isn't good about it? Do you think? Right now you said, it's. You say it's good, but then you're saying it's not good. What? Well, isn't? because to me I'm like, there's more to life than this. So why am I not doing it? And then kind of r- circling back on the your work. Do you mean when you're working, or do you mean the like end of transaction when you give the product to the customer and they're like, "Oh, fucking awesome!" Because from things you tell me about no, customers, no, I actually it's me, it's my work when I accomplish it to myself. Because you got to remember, you're never gonna satisfy anybody. Mm-hmm. So the only person you can satisfy is yourself. So you just strive for that. And if you satisfy yourself, I I think you're gonna satisfy other people. 
without even knowing it. Mm-hmm. But you first, like with everything, you first got to be happy. If you can't make yourself happy, you're not going to make nobody happy. So that goes without saying with my work. If I can do my job to my expectations and for me to be satisfied, then I'm never going to satisfy anybody. Man, I was going to say, uh, well, I mean, just know, because we haven't talked about it off air or on air, but right now I'm struggling with that. That's something I'm realizing about how you mentioned being happy with yourself and that like you could be comfortable with yourself but i think until you're faced with certain things and with me it's erica like my wife she'll bring things to my attention that i after analyzing more i realize it's a problem with myself that i don't like but i project it onto her of like you know like just oh yeah like comfortable doesn't cut it comfortable is never gonna cut it you gotta be happy you know it's like Okay, you're comfortable all day long, but you know you have to go take the dump. And until you do, then yeah, you're happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, comfortable could be a lot of things, but at the same time, comfortable could be uncomfortable. You're just using the word comfortable for it. Yeah, it's kind of like, I guess an example, I don't mean to make this about me or whatever, but it's kind of similar to maybe you and mom and stuff, um, is that me and Erica, let's say I don't like that she eat, I don't like eggs. I don't like that she eats eggs or orders eggs. And I, I, for some reason, I'm like, stop ordering eggs. And then she's like, But isn't that what you ordered this morning? Yeah, yeah. It's an example. <laughs> I do like eggs in real life. But I mean, like, and then um, after, like, yelling at her and we argue about why she orders eggs, I realize, you know, I don't care that she orders eggs. I don't like eggs. But this whole time I've been telling myself I don't care about eggs. But obviously I do. But I'm taking it out on her and... I need to fix my shit with eggs <laughs> before I start blaming other people. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I mean about, like, I, I'm comfortable until I realize that I've been lying to myself, if that makes sense. like Yeah, but at the end of the day, it's not even the egg you're not comfortable with. It's something else. You so that's so? why you got to dig into it and see, you know, what's going on with you. It always is. It's something more than mm-hmm. the surface. Well, it's level. always mathematical. Math- mathematical. Um... A two plus two equals four, but you're not going to say two equals four. You need that other two to make it four. So you're not liking eggs. That example you were using, there's a reason. It's not just the egg part. There's something else. There's always something else for the equation to be completed. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Speaking of missing equations. So remember, okay. So I thought the second question in the script was like, what's the worst part of your life or something you wish you could change? But apparently I write, is there an aspect of your life which you think you can improve or anything that you wish were different? Because we covered what you're comfortable with. Now what are you uncomfortable with in another word, in another sense? What do you, in your life, you wish like, this could change? Um, you know, I've noticed through the years, I'm 49 years old. And I've always noticed one thing that I've done, and I thought I was right in it, and now it's uncomfortable, and and I brought it upon myself. And I just spoke to this again to somebody. You know, people have always have a perception about me, and they've always told me along the way. Well, I thought you were like this, I thought you were like that. And I was always, well, that's what they think, that's their problem. Mm -hmm. So I left it like that. As I've gone through life, People still keep thinking I'm this, I'm that. Everybody always tells you who they think you are and they think they're right. My mistake was letting them believe that they were right instead of maybe trying to correct them because I always believe, well, as long as I know what I'm doing and as long as God knows what I'm doing, I'm okay. But no, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's actually showing, no, I'm not that drunk you think I am. I'm not the guy that drinks every weekend like you thought I was. But instead, I would be like, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Hey, this weekend. Oh, yeah, man, this weekend. And I wouldn't. But I let them believe that because if I were to go opposite, they would be like, yeah, whatever, man. It's not like you don't drink. I know you drink. So growing up through these years, why? So whatever they thought of you, whether it was the bad I, I would or the let good, it. Yeah, I would let it. But you would surely see also that they would treat you differently because of what they thought of you. Yes. Why were you okay with them treating you the other way on the false assumption? Because at the point in time and even now, it doesn't stop me from being who I really am and doing what I have to do. I still do what I got to do. I am who I am. And them thinking or acting towards me a different way is not going to stop me from being happy or going 200%. Mm -hmm. You know? 
Well, those don't know that's But at the same time, I guess that's one of my regrets. That's one of my things that I'm like, should I have maybe tell them, I guess, the truth? But to me, it's like, if you're that dumb to think that I'm a certain way and you've known me for years and you don't know the, the, the real me, I guess there's no point in me explaining to you because you're never going to get it anyways because if you're seeing it, you know, why do I have to tell you? Hmm. What about your cousin? I won't say his name unless you want to. Did he think of you a certain way and that's why you would hang out? Like you said recently, like, I don't know, man. Like, uh, you, 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 your cousin always wanted to hang out and you wouldn't. But then you recently have, and they're like, ah, oh, like I can't hang out like that because I'm, I'm. No, he, he's always been very respectful. See, so he's known who you th- are. That's shit. weird. That's weird because some people that you've done things that people, other people thought that you did or didn't do, but you only did them maybe once or twice, and then you were like, nah, dude, this is not for me. Understand better. I don't know why. <laughs> and, and you see him, and people would probably say, oh man, that fucking idiot. He don't know shit. But yet he respects who I am more than people that I think were smarter. Mm-hmm. Or even if you want to categorize them better than him. You know? Mm-hmm. Because that's what it's about. It's about respecting each other's boundaries. But at the same time, respecting each other and giving them that opportunity to know them instead of judging them. But judging people is so simple and faster that that's what we do now. And we process so fast that we don't even give them the opportunity. And I guess my life has all been like that, but my regret is, should I have told them different? Why Why did I play that card and make them, hey, that's what you want to believe, that's your problem. Any examples come to mind of how it's bitten you in the ass, for lack of a better phrase? like You know what, it hasn't. It hasn't. To tell you the truth, it hasn't. It's just so- it, if it did in one part aspect, in a big one, and I guess I should have focused on it a little more, maybe my marriage, that's why I'm divorced now. Because I even did it to my own ex-wife, you know. That when she would think, I would go, hey, fine. You know what? If you don't know me in this 10, 15, 20 years, or the 26 years we were together, I, I don't feel like I need to explain. Because you definitely don't know me. But then at the same time, I was being unfair because... All she wanted was an explanation, I guess, you know. And I never gave it to her. Mm-hmm. You know, if I own an explanation to anybody, it would have been her. Do you think that also relates to the egg example? That whatever you were talking about at the time, it was more than just that? Yeah. But you never took the time to go deeper? Exactly. Or, or, or either or, you never find the reason that you have to tell them. But you do. You do, but but what, what really plays... A big part is the damn pride. As human beings, we're very prideful. We're prideful that we have $2 more than the other guy. We're prideful that uh, we have something better than the other person. We're prideful. It could be the smallest thing. It doesn't even have to be something big. Mm -hmm. But we're very prideful in everything. So sometimes just to keep the pride going, we won't say or do when we should. At the the expense of... Being too, I don't know, I, don't, I wouldn't call it racist, but culturally biased. Do you think that's like a, a Latin thing? Not even Mexican, Hispanic, I mean just Latin, No, like that's French all of us in general, because I deal with all kinds of people in my business, and we're all the same. We're all the same. The only difference is like when people tell me, are you prejudiced, are you racist? I go, yes, I am, against assholes. Meaning in general, if you're good to me, I'm going to be good to you. If you're not, you know, then I'm racist against you, if you that's what you want to call it. Because to me, hey, treat me right or treat you right. Treat me bad. I'm not going to treat you bad, but I ain't going to put you aside. Every time I see you, I'm going to go around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for your time today, Father. This is a very no good problem. talk. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll clean up whatever I need to clean up after the fact of uh, how to outro out of this. But anyway, thank you for your time. You shouldn't uh, clean it up. <laughs> Raw's better. Yeah, that's what I think. I'm all about Raw. But I I think what it is is... Let me go ahead and stop this. Well, already, uh, anyway, thank you for joining me, Dan. And uh, I will see you guys in the next segment, um, which I haven't decided yet. But I will cut to it now. What's going on, guys and gals? And welcome to the video game topic of the month. And 
you had to have seen this coming if you kept up with game news. Uh, last month's the topic of November is microtransactions. And uh, specifically, I want to talk about the issues with microtransactions around Star Wars Battlefront 2. And so, um, basically, I want to talk about how the microtransactions reflects kind of poorly, in my opinion, on the game industry as a whole. But let me go ahead and kind of give a brief summary of the Star Wars debacle in case you haven't been keeping up. And so basically, in short form, there were loot boxes that could give uh, power-ups, but they're basically like player cards uh, to use in multiplayer. And so if you have a stormtrooper, I'm assuming, I haven't played this game, but I'm assuming there's different classes of troopers and uh, rebels that you can get cards for them and uh, they enact abilities that upgrade, whether it's accuracy, maybe uh, rate of fire, uh, different things like that, scopes, whatever. And you might need to unlock a character or reach a certain level before you could use the power-ups, but they were given randomly in these loot boxes. So the player could progress through the game and earn currency to buy these boxes, or conversely, someone could just pay real money and and buy them with um, their real money. And I, I hate all this bullshit about how you pay real money to get another form of currency that is different from the currency you earn. I, so forget that. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. But anyway, if you were to pay money, it would give you a statistical uh, edge in getting... You basically would get more loot boxes um, in a shorter amount of time. But it doesn't change the fact that these loot boxes are random. And so now, on top of the $60 that you already paid, the publisher and developers want you to spend more money on a lottery system of sorts in order to gain a competitive edge in multiplayer. Now, this game for all intents and purposes, Battlefront 2 is all about multiplayer they might have like a four hour single player campaign that people say wasn't good um but this game is essentially a multiplayer only game and so if your game is built around like a tedious grind to get the loot boxes and shortcuts with real money then you can see where the problem lies um but it kind of was discussed by different outlets throughout the month that this problem of the companies wanting more money is stems from the fact that sixty dollars apparently isn't enough to fund video game development anymore. And I can see that with enhanced uh, graphics and uh, artificial intelligence. You need bigger processors. You need uh, larger... You need more computers, more people working on multiple things at the same time. And it's very resource intensive. So yeah, it costs a lot of money to keep that running. But... Um, so they enact these microtransactions for the player willing to drip feed them funds for content. Uh, so... You know, in the old days, you paid for a game, and that was it. And so they really had to front load, kind of like movie openings, where we spent $100 million to make this game. We need to make it so badass and advertise out the ass so that when people on launch day or launch week, we get enough people to pay $60 so that we earn back $100 million and then some, because we also don't want to break even. We want a profit margin. And so that's kind of where the problem comes where, well, how about if we, they buy $60, they make us break even, or maybe we make $80 million, but then through microtransactions, they are slowly drip feeding us money so that over a year or two of playing this online-only game, we can uh, make back the other costs that we weren't at launch, weren't able to make at launch. But the problem with this system is that in order, uh, let me go back to the the loot crate the problem with the loot crate system especially in this game is that in order for to open as many loot crates as someone who does pay a non-playing a non-paying player would have to grind a large amount uh to open as many crates so the game gives you credits for your matches there was some new story about how uh to unlock somebody like luke skywalker or darth vader you needed like let's say ten thousand credits but apparently it would take you 40 hours uh on average uh, to unlock that many credits. So you need to play 40 hours of multiplayer matches in order just to unlock Darth Vader. And I'm assuming that after that, you have to grind another 40 for the next player, the next tier up. And so you can see how if you wanted to unlock, let's say, let's just say the original trilogy people of uh, Leia, Han, Luke, and Vader, that's four people, uh, 40 hours each, 160 hours. So that's a long a lot to unlock four people um, and as far as I know I don't think these cards um, unlock characters they are only for stats so some people could roll a crate that has a card that maybe upgrades 
let's say they upgrade his they upgrade his lightsaber ability. I don't know. But you haven't unlocked Luke, which means you still have to put in the 40 hours in order to unlock him. And you've already paid the $60 for your game. Uh, let's say the $20 for a couple of current for some currency to open more loot boxes faster. And whether you're grinding for 160 hours or paying 80 to 100 bucks, it doesn't guarantee that any of you or your non-paying players are going to have a level playing field or an advantage or the character that's unlocked. So it's one of those things of like, what the fuck are you really paying for? <laughs> um, I, I just, it's crazy. Um, so naturally, people lost their shit, and EA took the microtransactions out of the game until they can uh, restructure them in a way that'll keep players happy and give them money. Because all in all, they don't want to lose money. Because like we discussed earlier, they need this money to help fund the game they play, they made, especially because it's from a license. They're paying Star Wars a lot of money for the contract to make these fucking Star Wars games, so it's only natural that they cost more, and there's more advertising dollars put into it. But I, um, so it's one of those things. Uh, it's a lot of money. So what I'm curious about, though, uh, and just as a side, it's not a side. It's a point I'm gonna come back to earlier. But naturally, the internet lost their shit, and that's just what they do. Um, but keep keep that in mind that the internet loses its shit, which we all know. <laughs> um, but two questions that I'm curious about is why are games made so expensive, and why do gamers feed into fandom in a in like a harmful way, which kind of hurts the community, like ourselves, and it hurts other people like developers and I mean essentially the community at large that isn't a fan yet who might want to be sees toxic stuff from gamers and doesn't want to participate and so on the front of the video game development I find interesting because you hear it all the time uh, that they if you do any research you hear that video game development is quote-unquote hard and it's one of those things where from the sounds of it okay so I don't want to talk shit about game developers they put in a lot of time and effort they work like 80 hour work week sometimes I bet or often and then there's crunch where they're really fucking just living at the office and everybody just accepts it as the way it is and it's even they even are used to the fact of closing game studios after they complete a game and it's probably because um, like I'm saying you make the product the video game you send it out and so you're paying people to make a product once the game is released you have to ask yourself what are we paying these people for if we are not making a product and besides hemorrhaging money, paying for people that quote unquote aren't working, it's easier to fire them. Like it's it it's kind of that's why they close these studios. It's not just because well that's just you make a game and close the studio. But uh, that's the question I'm asking: is why do these developers let themselves quote unquote get taken advantage of in order to make a game? When other people are working 40 hours a week, a lot of people in the tech industry, but again, my example specifically is video game development, they allow themselves to work 80 hours a week. Um, and again, it, it varies by studio, it varies by publisher, because I know that some studios, they uh, like Bethesda and Rockstar, they kind of take care of their employees, or they just don't lay off a lot of people. And so, uh, again, family is a big thing. I feel like they a lot of workplaces, not just in games, but they encourage you to basically give your life to the company. And the, the one example, I guess, that or not an example, the only thing I can think of, which is kind of true, otherwise they wouldn't be doing this work in the first place, is that these people are passionate and that they are fans of their job and what they do. They love doing it. But I think that um, it's also like a detriment of... They love it so much that they're willing to kind of let themselves get taken advantage of because they know that opportunities like this don't... Opportunities to work in games are few and far between considering how often they close. So maybe they're not. Maybe they do come up a lot, but they're not stable. And so they're always on the hunt for the next one. And once they're there, they want to make sure they do a good impression so that maybe if the studio does close, the company will retain a few percentage, uh, percentage of some of the employees. And so they, to them, they are investing in themselves as, uh, oh my God, I can't think of the word, as an asset to the company. And if they can do a good job, they say, hey, even though I have a family, I can be here 90 hours a week. 
um so don't fire me <laughs> it's one of those things where it's I, i'm assuming it's because they love what they do and they're fans but to me i'm gonna bring that back up later um that is also part of the problem of being a fan uh, but let me go on to the next point of also i think uh, another reason why video games are becoming more expensive is because people are this case in particular they're using established um, ip which is the star wars license and that costs a lot of money to use so they pay a lot of money to make and the shitty thing is too uh they can create their own problems with sequels so like call of duty is a very big franchise um that they and, and to clarify if you don't know what ip means it just stands for intellectual property which is like a shitty buzzword that people use all the time so i'm using it too <laughs> uh but yeah they make their own problems like call of duty how uh, they made that into a large franchise slash IP that they market on soda cans, Doritos chips, um, posters on billboards. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's fucking marketing for that thing everywhere to where now even them as a, they own the property and stuff like that. And it shouldn't be that bad, but now they have, they have to pay advertising dollars every time they make a game like a call of duty Otherwise, people are not going to believe it's a big deal. If we make Call of Duty uh, 8 and we only do it on a blog post to one news outlet, people are going to ask, why the fuck is this Call of Duty not getting advertised? Is it that not that good of a franchise? Is it? But no, it's like we're making a Call of Duty, so we're spending, you know, half a billion dollars or a billion dollars in advertising and marketing so that you know this is a big fucking deal and so again like if you're not, if you're not paying the big star wars disney money or any movie franchise or any license like the marvel stuff then you're paying yourself basically with these damn sequels so i think if we were to create more original ip the budgets would be lower because they're risk and maybe we would see um more affordable development costs and then also i think uh what would help um with maybe lowering the cost or just fixing the problem is for companies to be more transparent, like telling us, hey, we're making this game and this is our budget. Now, again, it's like, why should a company have to tell you that? Uh, it's because if we as the consumers, okay, this is going to get into really weird territory because we're also not stockholders. But if we as consumers want to bitch and complain about, uh, hey, I don't like paying for these loot boxes, Essentially, like I'm saying in the beginning, um, they are asking us to keep them afloat with money. Yeah, we're not buying shares or bonds or stocks in the company, but the fact that I pay uh, every three months for a DLC pack, the fact that I pay uh, twice a week for a loot box at the $3 level, I am essentially keeping y'all afloat. Uh, so, yeah, if I'm putting money into you, then why the fuck don't I know more about where your money's going? And it's not even about give me your tax sheet. I literally am just asking, like, companies should say, um, this, this game is going to cost this much, and we're thinking of implementing this system. Is this okay with the community? Before it ships. Because then you have these kind of problems where people are like, I didn't fucking agree to this. Like, I was okay with loot boxes if they were like this. But if they're only like this, then fuck that. And the silly thing is, there's a template out there to follow that, quote-unquote, loot boxes like. Loot boxes work best with cosmetic items. Um, I, I don't give a shit about cosmetic items, so I don't buy loot boxes anyway. But I think, like, transparency in just either decisions or just perception. Like, come out and say, yes, we thought we could fuck you guys over, but we're sorry we did that. How can we make it right? You know, again, this, that... It's, it's a false sense of transparency because you're never going to be privy to all the inside information. But I think uh, if they were to make make their workers work less grueling hours, work on original IP that costs less, and be more transparent to the consumers, I think in general it might help to drive costs down because then it'll humanize companies in a way that I think gamers would be willing to wait. It's like, oh, the next Call of Duty is not coming out next year. It's going to take three years because half the staff, oh, this is a dream world, <laughs> but half the staff are women and they're all having babies the next couple of years. And so they're, they're going to be on vacation. So development's going to be slower. 
as opposed to you know you got some family men you got some people who have deaths in the family and then they kind of get sidestabbed like like there's drama that happens politically inside the business workplace that drags these games out and that's this is on the personal development level obviously as you go up the ladder you have the people who just like punch out a game and make us money and yeah those people exist but i think all in all they don't have much of a, a say so like yes they might crush a deadline like hey this game should be at this point in six months they are they're gonna say hey you know what we would need it in five months instead they're not gonna magically say we need this shit in two months you know what i mean like it doesn't happen that crazy the crunch and then just the second part of it is besides the people making the games i think the gamers who buy the games uh their fandom and stuff feeds into the high expectations developers and publishers put amongst themselves to make more money also it puts the idea in their heads the publisher and developers to that hey we can take more money from these fucking losers <laughs> and what i mean by that is like it starts with brand loyalty where how people are loyal to brands and signs and stuff and they're willing to pay money for that whether it's a call i'm gonna use call of duty as an example even though we're just talking oh, no star wars is a great example of like how people buy the toys, the lightsaber replicas, the t-shirts, the... I mean, all the merchandise that Star Wars makes. And so now we're making a quote-unquote video game toy that it has the Star Wars logo on it. And it's going to be great. And so you have these people who are like, I love Star Wars. I'll pay for the, the collector's edition. <laughs> I, I don't mean to make people who do pay the collector's edition that's like 130 sound like idiots. It's just, to me, they must be so blind with passion that they don't see a problem with it. They're like, I'm happy to pay this much because I love Star Wars. And then uh, this 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 branding, though, makes you gives you a false sense of identity that you're tied to the brander franchise. But what you as a consumer don't realize is that you are a walking billboard. We want you to look like Darth Vader stepped out of a NASCAR race with different patches for the extended universe and have a BB-8 cell phone case because you are a walking billboard selling our product and we want other people to see you and say, damn, I need to get that Star Wars. <laughs> and um, this is exactly why, though, it leads to exploitive practices. Because it's like, hey, what about these loot boxes? They cost this much, and people want to play as these characters that they know and love from the franchise. And this is what we're going to do. So when it comes out, and people are like, hey, I'm not fucking paying for this. Yeah, it catches EA and them off guard. Uh, because they're like, what the fuck? Like, y'all assholes pay out the ass for a lot of stupid things that don't matter. And now all of a sudden you're complaining for like 50 bucks? And I mean 50 on top of the 60 for the original game. And so there's that disconnect of, I thought the numbers show that these fans were willing to pay this much money. We either miscalculated or they just want to pick a bone with us because we're EA. Like, it's really hard to parse this whole situation, the way it was unfolding. But, um, yeah, I, I think those kind of things, the quote-unquote fandom that video games create and that gamers bring to the table isn't always positive and going back to the developer thing it's the same thing every time you're like come take a tour of our studios at you know ea or respawn or whatever at dice you're gonna go there and you always see fucking statues of video game characters on their desk because they love what they do and they love the community they're part of but the same way the star wars fan because again we're only hearing about a vocal minority which happens to be very large about hating these transactions in Star Wars. But there is a silent minority that is the Star Wars fan I'm talking about. It's like, oh, love me some fucking Jango Fett. I've grinded like 190 hours just to unlock him and all the other characters. And it's like, they don't care about how much money or grind time it takes to unlock these characters because they want to do that. I just think maybe EA invest, counted on those kind of fans too hard uh, to be whales. And maybe they are, but I don't... I think they just counted on that, and the gamers themselves got mad. But that kind of goes to my last point about gaming culture is that I think we need to be like kinder and take responsibility that it's our fault that companies do this to us. 
Companies are not out to get us. We tell companies, you can do this to me, and I'll allow it. But then when they do something we don't like, for some reason, we're like, hey, I've been letting you charge me this, that, and the other, and I've been buying your bullshit, but now I think you should kill yourself. Or now I think that you guys are fucking me. And it's like, understand that you allowed this as a consumer. You do not play these games unless you buy them. EA does not say, hey, we silently downloaded our latest shooter or our latest loot box expansion to you. Um, so, you know, have at it and let us know what you think. They don't give a fuck what you think unless you're buying the product and using it. If you're over here complaining, I don't like the loot boxes, and you're like, only put in 10 hours or 2 hours, but gave them 60, they're like, eh, we'll take it. Like, I don't give a fuck what you say. I, I got your 60. Um, and you only paid two hours, but if you're in the community, they see you've put in, you know, a thousand hours, you've unlocked everything, um, you've put in the work, then they're like, okay, this guy is a serious, uh, player. It's not just a regular consumer who wants to complain. This person probably has done more QA testing than our QA testers. And so we need to hear what they have to say. But I, this... Just how aggressive gamers get online doesn't help the conversation for what we can do to be better and how we can move forward and step away from these kind of practices. I think we need to change as consumers so that the companies can react to us. And in a sense, that was a success this past month with the loot box culture. Because now I think we have put the industry on edge of, oh, fuck, loot boxes are a thing that we got to really be careful how we do them because we're walking on, they're walking on eggshells now, which is good. I just don't think it had to be through, like, intense anger and rants. You know what I mean? But that's my topic this week, and that was my opinion. Uh, now we'll continue to the next segment. Take it away, John. Yes, it's my silly voice again, and welcome to the social issue of last month. And sadly, you're not going to get one this month. Um, the issue was about, uh, you know, sexual harassment slash uh sexual allegations that have been happening and not really the hashtag me too movement but it's all connected what happened was i recorded with my wife and i was using a new microphone setup that i thought was going to work and it wasn't you can only hear my mic and not hers and i mean i could post it you're not going to hear her it's going to sound shitty uh she does give a good rant at the end um which you know what i think i'll go ahead and post that right now just so that you can kind of get the gist of where we ended up in the conversation. But it basically covered, uh, it was just me questioning how we got to the point we're at now and how celebrity women, powerful women, or women in power who are coming out with these accusations help people who are, people and women who are not in power also feel like they can come out. And I think that we're in a great place of recognizing that this is bad, that it's been happening, that it shouldn't happen, but we're not like out of the weeds in the slightest. Kind of like me and my wife were talking about racism, how people are like, you know, racism isn't a thing. And it's like, no, uh, slavery isn't a thing, but racism is very much alive. <laughs> like uh, people just don't pay attention to just how the culture of certain topics move forward unless they are in that culture that is being like the minority that is being uh i guess taken advantage of or harassed or whatever and so uh i'm gonna go ahead and cut to my wife real quick to hopefully hopefully it makes sense but remember in context we, we did a lot of talking it was a good like 16 minute segment but this is what you're getting this month and i'm sorry about that uh i will make sure not to fuck up next time and give you a good segment and ho like I said, mentioned, hopefully my wife joins me again. And so here's that clip. So then how do you <clears throat> walk in this back to like my question in the beginning of the month? Uh, how do you think we got to this point? Like, yes, Harvey Weinstein was, I would say, the big case. Yeah. Where people and women were like, fuck, if this powerful asshole can get taken down and powerful women like Ashley Judd, and famous actresses and stuff mm -hmm. can come out like I remember we were talking to your brother about how like the same way Michael Jordan is like buy Hershey's Snickers because I'm Michael Jordan it's similar to like we're powerful women that you look up to and we're coming out that makes other women like if they can do it I can too you know yeah. 
And so I was going to say, like, that's all nice and good. But why do you think right now the climate is just right for us to start believing them? Because this has happened for so long. Why now? Is it really that? Just that? It's not, a, it's, not, it's not a matter of, you know, now we can believe them. It's a matter of now somebody is saying something. Before nobody would say anything. You don't think so? Yeah. It was just, I mean, I'm sure there were, you know, but it, it just was that, like, like we say, for most, for almost everything, it all comes down to society. And society said, no, you don't say anything. You don't get to go and say anything about Mr. Harvey. You don't get to go and say anything because you're getting a job, because you're getting money, because you're getting paid, because you're having access to, you know, these resources and stuff. So no, society tells you, don't say anything, don't say anything, don't say anything. And so you don't. And then there's the couple who do, but because it's just a few, it's just, oh, I don't know, it's no big deal. Let's just brush it under the rug, you know. But now it is just like, you know, and, and that's all it takes with, with every, you know, social issue is for, an, for enough people to decide to do it, to decide enough is enough, I'm going to do it, you know, and, and, you know, justice may be served and, and sometimes, you know, and, and I'm pretty sure for a lot of women, you know, we want for justice to be served, but it's also you know, shit, like, justice might not be served, but if I say, you know, this fucking asshole did this to me, I'm just gonna throw it out there, this is what he did, you know, just letting you guys know, take, you know, do what you will with that information, then at least now, more women are aware, oh, you know, they say, I should watch out for this asshole, they say, you know, I've heard, I've heard stories, you know, so watch out, yeah, and the same thing should go for not just celebrities, you know, and, you know, famous people or wealthy people, but for everybody, you know, there's an asshole who works, you know, in your office. You should be able, you know, to tell your coworkers or to just be like, you know, this guy, like, he did this to me. And I just, you know, letting you know, girl, like, in case you get too close to him, like, be careful because he did this to me. And I just don't want anybody else to get hurt. And it's mm. not about, you know, making him look bad or making him, you know, it's just, um, you know, be careful. And I was going to say, like, a thought popped into my head, and I don't want to flip this for fucking assholes to twist my words. But besides victims coming out, one thing that I... That's kind of what I'm curious about Mm -hmm. when I say, is this the right time, and blah, blah, blah. Victims can say all they want, but I feel like up till now, the people abusing, or... Let's just talk basic, plainly. uh, Women have been coming out. Mm -hmm. Men haven't been listening. are quote-unquote men listening but i don't like the sound of that question because it makes it seem like men are in control of the victim's fate but what i'm saying is like that's kind of what i'm getting at i feel like maybe they haven't been coming out like you're saying they don't talk but people had to have known did people finally get the right message did this new york times reporter we don't know i don't even know if it's a man or a woman but were they like i think if i listen it will encourage others to in a large scale but they needed to catch a big fish like Harvey Weinstein Mm -hmm. you think that's what it took for this person to listen to the right case yeah like I don't know I think I don't know you know you kind of get where I'm confused about how come nothing's been done before because people like Harvey and other Hollywood people have done this shit all the time and you have to imagine that women talk amongst themselves yeah they do but it's a it's just the culture because even amongst women we're taught you know society you know and just puts these seeds in your head of you know you know even though you're a big group of women in the exact same industry the fact that there's a culture around it and the fact that all of these women have the same experiences but all together are just whispering and saying oh he did that to me too or oh, yeah, he did that to my friend, or, you know, and all together still deciding, no, we still can't say anything, you know? And by culture, is that, that's what you mean? The, like I'm talking about the culture of the industry. Yeah. No, we can't say anything. Women are telling each other 
you can't say anything, you can't do anything, it's going to ruin you. You're not going to get another job, you're not going to be able to do anything, they're going to fire you. Just put up with it type yes, stuff. Yes, just put up with it, just put up with it. You know, don't let it happen again. Like, you know, you take it upon yourself to never be alone with him. Like, you, victims you, blaming yes, themselves. Yes, it's just, it's, it's, they're not saying it's your fault, but it's basically putting that idea in your head of, you, you, let, you could you have controlled, yeah, alone, yeah. You know, with him, like you should know better kind of thing and so that's what I mean is that and and sometimes it takes you know it takes generations and it takes you know like lots of other people to to think outside of that box to think outside of that and to say no I'm gonna I'm gonna stand up and I'm gonna say something you know Mm -hmm. it's so easy it's so easy to just follow the crowd and to just you know swim you know just swim along with the rest of the fish and just say like oh, nobody else is doing anything I can't win I can't do it you know and that's why like I'm saying it's not about you know you know I have to win this case I have to take him down it's about standing up and saying something so that other people will stand up and say something hmm. nothing can change if you know everybody's saying oh no don't do anything you know mm-hmm. you're not gonna fix anything Oh, Gorgie. I'm going to go ahead and end on this, on that good rant. Because, I mean, I, I don't got anything that can follow that. It's, like, going <laughs> to change the com- change the conversation. You said what I wanted to hear slash wanted to say. I just don't know how to say it, which is why I asked the questions. Mm-hmm. But uh, thank you for joining me on this social topic of the month. Um, hopefully we can meet each other for others in the future. Yeah, I'll check my schedule. Yeah, clear that out for me, please. Yeah. I don't know what you do. I'm a busy person. Yeah, until that husband he needs to treat you better. I know. He does. <laughs> he needs to do that. <laughs> but alright, everyone, now we'll go ahead and shoot it to the next segment. Thank you for joining me, Gorgie. Mm-hmm. Here's another one, and welcome to the very last segment, which is the closing, where I'll just summarize some stuff or just. This is more like a little vlog. So if you want to know more about me personally or what I've been up to in my family, then you can stay tuned for this. But if not, thank you for joining me. Don't forget to subscribe and like on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and uh, I will continue on. I, I want to name this segment. I've been thinking of Oyo Boyo, but I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. Like, Boyo means, it's like a slang term for, like, brother or person, like, you know, friend, but uh, Oyo doesn't. It's kind of like a mixture of Oye from Spanish, and just so that it rhymes with Boyo. Anyway, I'm going to try it out. Welcome to Oyo Boy. <laughs> that don't make sense. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed what you heard. And I just want to discuss the details on why I chose this format of podcasting. Where I'm basically putting once a month. Um, and plain and simple, it suits my life better. Uh, me and my wife are fairly vi- fairly busy people. Our son is getting bigger to where, like, you know, uh, parents out there know what I mean when they're like one or two. Well, two, they start moving. And so you got to make sure they don't kill themselves. But, like, when they're babies, you can kind of just throw them anywhere and they'll have belly time uh, or tummy time, they call it. Uh, or they'll lie on their back or they rock in their crib. When they get older, they're moving around. They're starting to kill themselves with knives and walled outlets and who knows what else. you got to keep an eye on them. But right now in the four and five age, uh, well, three, four, and five. I don't know about other people. But basically, uh, my son's talking. He's curious. He does play with toys. And so it's one of those things where I just you have to spend more time with them because they are becoming, quote unquote, more human. You know, like it's not enough to just leave them in a room with a TV, which, again, is something that's fairly common. But, um, you know, got to work on those communication skills and stuff. He needs me to make him food sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because I don't feed him other times. It's just when he tells me. <laughs> um, but anyway, this once a month gives me and my family time to breathe. Uh, and it's not so much of a burden on us to like, oh, this week we got to record. And it's like, I'm not trying to compete to be like the number one podcaster or a brand new number one podcast you listen to. I just want, you know, I basically just want to talk and vent. This really is for my benefit. I've always said it's a hobby of mine and somewhere along the way I just started taking it more serious than I should have probably um, considering what I want to talk about. It's very competitive to talk about video games. There's a million other better podcasts that are more in depth and uh, they have Patreons and stuff. 
that's something I want to do, but it's it's not a goal. You know what I mean? I have a job. I'm given to society in that way, I guess. And so the podcast really is for me. And so the once a month, again, like I said, just allows me more editing, hopefully more uh, more different varied content. And uh, I just like to talk to people in general, which is why I also added the interview, the profile part. Um, because I don't think people talk enough. Uh, even I'm not going to be here and be like, phones ruined it all. But I just think that people in general don't talk. Even before phones, you're like walking in the hallway and you see somebody. When you lock eyes, y'all both do that like, oh shit, like, y'all look away. Like, I don't want to look. And it's like, would you, would you fucking smile and say hi? Like, you're not fucking flirting with them. You're not trying to tell them I've been staring at you all day. Like, it's literally like, People are just fucking awkward. And I'm awkward. Like, if you know me, the things I do and say, I don't fucking make sense. And it just baffles my mind how when I look at people and analyze what they do and say, I'm like, you know what? They don't fucking make sense. <laughs> like, why do we do this to ourselves? And so in an effort to connect with people better and more, I want to talk to more people. It's going to start with my family because um, they're easy to get and talk to. But I'm going to expand it to workers. I'm sorry if I'm repeating what I said in the intro. It's been a while. Like I said, I'm expanding the production. So I recorded the intro probably a couple of days or weeks ago, depending on how and when I record it. So I might not remember what I say. But yeah, I'm going to expand it to coworkers. And hopefully through word of mouth, people refer friends or family members that they're like, hey, you know what's interesting? My mom has a story. Can you interview her? And yeah, I'll interview your mom. I'll interview your cousin, your sister, your friend. Whatever. I interview both of you at the same time so that I understand the dynamic. Whatever. I just want people to meet people. Because, again, it's easy to, like, look at somebody and judge them. But a lot of times we're... It's one of those things where I just want perspective. I want us to understand that we're all human. And everybody says that. We're all human, you know? Like, we're all just going through life. But nobody really understands it. It doesn't change the fact that you... Go eat at, like, I don't know, a McDonald's. And you know that somewhere on the internet, or you have a friend who's like, ew, fucking McDonald's is nasty, fast food, fat, junky shit, nobody should eat it. But in your head, you're like, I like McDonald's. But you subconsciously will never mention McDonald's to them because you don't want them to judge you. But it's like, you know that there's a friend out there that's just as cool as that asshole, and they don't care if you eat McDonald's? It's basically, it's, it's literally like there are people out there who are cool and mesh with you if you look for them. But people just kind of settle with, well, this is how friends and relationships work. And I'm, I'm getting off on a tangent like I do, which is why I always like to have a co-host too, to give me direction. Because otherwise I'm just blabbing like an asshole. And yes, I say asshole a lot. <laughs> um, and the, the two topics uh, segments are video games and a social issue. Those are important to me because I like video games, but, um, well, they kind of go hand in hand. Video games and social issues, news in general, is just constantly happening. You can't turn on your Twitter feed, your Facebook feed, your um, news feed and RSS, the TV, if you watch that. Um, I'm a cord cutter, so I don't have cable and stuff like that, so I don't, I don't keep up with news in that way. But if you just take all this information... It happens so fast and so new. It's like, oh shit, you hear about Taylor Swift? It's like, oh shit, Riri. It's like, oh shit, Bethesda. Holy crap, look at that Mario. And it's one of those things that I look at this content that's getting created by these people who do it for a living. And besides the fact that they all repeat what they say, it's kind of like, ugh. Like, I don't know if this is worth my attention because it's not going to matter tomorrow. And again, my content is the same. All content is the same. But this at least gives me perspective to where, oh my god, uh, AT&T is going to buy Comcast. Or Comcast is going to buy AT&T and it's going to be a monopoly. It's going to be gross. And then the next week, it's still happening. And then the week after, uh, it didn't fall through because the Supreme Court ruled against it. And so... You've kept up with that for three weeks, and here, basically, in my show, I'm looking at a retrospective of, um, yeah, that didn't happen. 
But because it didn't happen, it's also not news. So I'm not going to talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Unless there's like actual repercussions on life at large where they did end up getting bought or they were so close that somebody started a riot. Then it's like, well, what the fuck? I think that riot, that ancillary story is more interesting than the actual monopoly of having a large conglomerate control our internet and cable. But, uh... Yeah, and that, I'm kind of I'm gonna end the show here because uh, I I also have to let you guys and gals know that I don't know what's gonna happen next month. I know this sounds shitty because I just started it, and that's another thing. This episode might be long, uh, like an hour, hour and a half, and you might be like, "Who the fuck wants to listen?" To-? Again, it's for the month. You're not getting any new content. So if I were you, I would recommend, even though it's too late because you're at the end of the show, I would recommend. That you listen to a segment one week and then just let that sit in your head. Maybe chew the fat, as some people say. And then next week, listen to the next 10 minute segment. And you can do this on the ride to work, you can do this on your bus commute, you can do this at work, maybe if you have one of those boring jobs that doesn't need your attention. I mean, however. But anyway, um, the show's not supposed to last you a month, but it's supposed to give you enough content to make your brain chew on it for a bit. And maybe. Uh, you know, give me your opinion. Again, I need to set up email and other things like that so that we can communicate. But the interesting news is that during this whole production, um, we're starting to look at buying a house. And so that actually might happen from now until the next episode. And so <laughs> I might skip next month's episode. Like I'm saying, it sounds shitty because I just started back again. Uh, but I might have to skip next week depending on moving and uh, just what happens you know what i mean what if i can't afford internet for three months who knows you know it's very interesting very crazy that also might be a topic of house buying and what the fuck is that about because it's it's not confusing it all makes sense but it sure is confusing as to why the fuck it is the way it is anyway guys and gals i hope you enjoyed this extended segment and oil boil I need a fucking word. I, you know what it is? It just It's not a cultural thing. that We we don't say boyo in America. So you kind of have to do like a oyo boyo, like an accent. And I don't know what kind of accent that is. Oh, now it's Australian. Okay, I, I see what I'm doing here. <laughs> okay, anyway, I'm going to end the episode. Thank you guys and girls for joining. Again, please like and subscribe. Share this with your family and friends. It's just talking. Even if there's one specific topic, just scrub to that point in the podcast and say, Look, Mom, you were right. You don't know anything about sexual harassment or whatever you want to say. And I will talk to y'all next month. Until then, be safe. 